So again, I'm glad that you are here with us. And as we uh, dive off back into uh, Genesis, it's like a long, long time ago in a galaxy far, far away. Uh, we were in Genesis way back in the day. Uh, Paul Dacus preached the most recent sermon from our Genesis series. And uh, it was stellar or in the in our uh, theme, Interstellar, if you will. Uh, uh, it was really, really good. Uh, there's a story about Jacob and Esau. And if you know anything about that story, that's kind of a weird kind of uh, story and, and kind of intertwined with lots of different things. It's about a stolen birthright. Uh, there's a blessing that's supposed to be given and Jacob ends up taking the blessing. And I, I thought that... Uh, 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 Paul had an opportunity to really do some theatrical things with things while he was on stage. You know, he was talking about the deception and dressing up and putting fur on his arms, and he didn't do any of that. And I know he was scared. I don't know. Uh, so the next time, Paul Dacus, if you're watching online, you have to dress up. You have to use costumes. That's why I brought a ladder today. And so uh, we'll get to that shortly, though. Uh, uh, so uh, anyway, the telling verse from, uh, from that text, whenever uh, Paul preached just a number of uh, weeks ago, was this, uh, was this very verse right here, ver Genesis chapter 27, verse 35. The brother has come deceitfully, and he has taken away your blessing. You remember that part of the story or not, but it's about Jacob and Esau, and Jacob had come, and he had taken away Esau's blessing. And that was really kind of the, the gist of the whole story. He was being deceitful. He stole the blessing from the firstborn. And that's where we ended up. It just kind of stopped abruptly in the middle of that whole entire story. And so as Andy Griffith would say, deceitful, deceitful, deceitful. Uh, that's what happened in that, uh, in that text. Uh, so we're going to pick up today in, in Genesis chapter 27, uh, verse 41. But this is what it says. Um, uh, the way our text starts today. Now, Esau hated Jacob because of the blessing with which his father had blessed him. Esau hated Jacob because of the blessing with which his father had blessed him. I, I, I love the way the Bible's written. I love it because it doesn't pull any punches. Uh, it's just raw and it's just out there. And uh, we've kind of sanitized it through the years in our churches from our pulpits. And, and we don't talk about the real ugly and nasty and uh, uh, angry emotions that come with it. And we've kind of just made it some big ethereal thing where we're just kind of floating through and just we ease through. But the Bible's very raw. I mean, it's very raw. It talks about people who are very raw, just like you and me and the emotions that they process, and the difficulties that they process, and I love the fact that it doesn't pull any punches. So uh, this is one of the today. Esau hated Jacob. He hated his brother because his brother cheated him out of what was rightfully his. That's in the Bible. And if you go through this, the kind of the whole storyline of, of this, uh, of our text today, uh, just in a quick overview is uh, basically in verse 41, he says, I'm going to kill him. I, I'm going to kill him because he's taken away what was rightfully mine. And, and so, uh, and then in a couple of verses later, Jacob is told to flee. His mom was like, you've got to get, get on out of here because and, and, your brother's going to kill you and maybe he'll calm down and, and, you can, and he won't kill you after some amount of time. And, and, uh, and then in verse 46, Rebecca, his mom was like, I hate my life. I can't believe my life is the way it is. I hate everything about my life. I wish I was just dead. Uh, especially if Jacob marries some Hittite woman. I, I don't know what I'm going to do if he marries that woman. 
uh, those hags over at the Hittites. Uh, <laughs> and then in chapter 28, um, you get to Esau and Jacob, and, and, Esau, uh, and Esau blesses Jacob. I mean, uh, Jacob uh, uh, pr- pronounces a blessing, and he talks about, uh, he says, may the Lord bless you and, and make you fruitful. And in and and verse 8, they talk about the Canaanite women. They don't, they're not going to please Isaac. And so uh, they're, they're looking at all the women around, and who do I marry? And uh, and, and, Jay, and Esau is like, maybe if I marry one of these women, they'll, then my dad will like me a little bit more. And then verse nine, Esau, he decides, I've, I've got to find somebody that I can marry. And he goes to, this, he goes to uh, Ishmael and he took his daughter, Mah- Mahalath, his wife. Uh, you can just say that, just make that up, just say it confidently. And then you get into Jacob's dream. That's where our text will take us today. Uh, there's a ladder, which is why I have this one on the stage. There's a ladder in his dream. And there's angels going up and down. And, and, and the Lord's like, I'm going to give you some land. And I'm going to give you some offspring. You'll be blessed in your offspring. And, and, and the land that I give you will always be yours. And then Jacob penned this song that we sing today. Surely the presence of the Lord is in this place. You know that one? Y'all sing that. Surely the presence of the Lord is in this place. Yeah, all right. he pinned. Now he didn't really, but that's kind of what he was saying. That the presence of the Lord is clearly here uh, with me today. Uh, and then he put some stones out, and he says, "We're going to remember this place." And then he began to tithe to the Lord, and that's basically what the text is about today. And so, with all that in a nutshell, let me start at the end where Jacob tithed to the Lord. And, and so, I'm just going to say this really quickly. Uh, there's been many bad teachings about tithing. Uh, you've probably grown up under a lot of them. If you've been in church at all, you've grown up with probably really bad teaching about tithing and about how pastors will guilt you into tithing. And if you don't tithe, then God's not going to bless you. And it's a manipulative uh, thing that pastors do to try to get you to give more money to the church. Okay? So we don't do that here at Refuge. We're not going to manipulate you into giving. What we do is say, what we do say is you should give. We, we very straightforward. You should give. You should give generously. You should give sacrificially. You should give joyfully to the church and to the work. This is your church family. This is your church home. You should give regularly, joyfully, sacrificially to the work that God is doing here. Be generous. We want you to be a generous people because we want to use whatever God gives us to steward it well so that other people will know Jesus. That's the only reason we, we ask you to give for those kind of reasons. And so we ask you to do that. Evaluate what you're doing. Evaluate what you're uh, giving. If you're not giving, start giving. If you're already giving, uh, give regularly, okay? That's all I'm going to say about that because we're not just going to beat you over the head about giving. We're, we're not after your money. Uh, we want you to follow Jesus and do what Jesus tells you to do, okay? All right, let's keep going. Let's read the text, and then we'll see if my summary was even somewhat close. Chapter 27, uh, verse 41, this is what the scripture says. Now, Esau hated Jacob because the blessing with which his father had blessed him. And Esau said to himself, the days of mourning for my father are approaching. Then I will kill my brother Jacob. I wasn't lying to you. But the words of Esau, his older brother, were told to Rebekah. So she sent and called Jacob, her younger son, and said to him, behold, if you ever say anything that you want your children to pay attention to, start it with that. Behold. They'll pay attention then. Behold. Your brother Esau comforts himself about you, about you by planning to kill you. Get that? He makes himself feel better because he's going to kill you. That's what the text just tells us. Now, therefore, my son, obey my voice. Arise, flee to Laban, my brother in Haran, and stay with him a while until your brother's fury turns away, until your brother's anger turns away from you, and he forgets what you have done to him. Then I will send and bring you from there. Why should I be bereft 
of you both in one day. Bereft is another word we don't use enough. Then Rebekah said to Isaac, I loathe my life because of this Hittite women. If Jacob marries one of those Hittite women like these, I don't know what I'm going to do. No, uh, one of the, well, that's not what it says, but that's what he's thinking. One of the land, uh, uh, one of the women of the land, what good will my life be to me? Chapter 28. Then Isaac called Jacob and blessed him and directed him, you must go take a wife. Uh, you must not take a wife from the Canaanite women. Arise, go to Paddan Oran, to the house of Bethuel, your mother's father, and take for your wife one from there, one of the daughters of Laban, your mother's brother. God Almighty bless you and make you fruitful and multiply you, that you may become a company of peoples. May he give the blessing of Abraham to you and to your offspring with you, that you may take possession of the land of your sojournings that God gave to Abraham. Thus Isaac sent Jacob away, and he went to Padamaran, to Laban, the son of Bethuel, the Aramean, the, the, uh, the brother of Rebekah, Jacob, and Esau's mother. Now Esau saw that Isaac, Isaac had blessed Jacob and sent him away to Padamaran, uh, to take the wife from there, and that he blessed him and directed him. You must not take a wife from the Canaanite women. And that Jacob had uh, obeyed his father and his mother and gone to Padamaran. So when Esau saw that the Canaanite women did not please Isaac, his father, Esau went to Ishmael and took his wife, uh, took as his wife, besides the wishes, the wives he had, Mahalath, the daughter of Ishmael, Abraham's son, the sister of Neboeth. Jacob left Beersheba and went toward Haran, and he came to a certain place and stayed there that night because the sun had set. Taking one of the stones of the place, he put it under his head and lay down in that place to sleep. So he's laying down, he's got to lay his head on a rock. Verse 12, and he dreamed, and behold, there was a ladder. Just like that. We're not in a dream, okay? But behold, there was a ladder. Set up on the earth, and the top it reached the heavens. And behold, the angel of the God, uh, the angels of God were ascending and descending on it. And behold, the Lord stood above it and said, "I am the Lord, the God of Abraham, your father, and the God of Isaac. The land on which you will lie, I will give you, and you and your offspring. Your offspring shall be like the dust of the earth, and you shall spread abroad." You shall spread abroad to the west and to the east and to the north and to the south. And in you and in your offspring shall all the families of the earth be blessed. Behold, there it is. Behold, I am with you and I will keep you wherever you go and I will bring you back to this land for I will not leave you until I have done what I have promised you. Then Jacob awoke from his sleep and he said, Surely the presence of the Lord is in this place, and I did not know it. And he was afraid and said, how awesome is this place. This is none other than the house of God, and this is the gate of heaven. So early in the morning, Jacob took the stone that he had under his head and set it up for a pillar and poured oil on the top of it. He called the name of the place Bethel, for the name of the city was Luz at the first, and Bethel sounded better. Then Jacob made a vow saying, if God will be with me and will keep me in this way that I go, then I will, and will give me bread to eat and clothing to wear so that I may come again to my father's house in peace. Peace. Then the Lord shall be my God. And this stone, which I've set up for a pillar, shall be uh, God's house. And all that you give me, I will give a full tip to you. Let me pray. We'll jump into what all this means. God, we love you. We need you. Holy Spirit, help me as I preach today. Uh, help us to understand, God, help us all to see you more vividly and clearly and the way that you are at work on our behalf, loving us, caring for us, no matter where we are. We pray it in Jesus' name, amen. 
All right, so let's start uh, at where we were before. Uh, in verse 27, verse 44, Esau hated Jacob. He hated Jacob. Now, hate's been around in uh, the world for a long, long time, right? Hate is one of those emotions that's been around uh, really from the beginning, from Genesis chapter 3, uh, and hate is a result of sin, and I need you to hear that. Hate is a result of sin. Cain killing his brother Abel was the first kind of outplaying of this sin that we see within humans. And, and so uh, you've heard it he said here before, and I'll say it to you again because it's very important. Be killing your sin or it will be killing you. Be killing the sin that is in you or it will be killing you. Now you know what your go-to sin happens to be. We all have something that we kind of keep returning to. We always have, most of us have something that we keep going back to, that ongoing besetting sin that just kind of keeps us, that, that we kind of just keep going back to. And sometimes we don't, don't even know why. Sometimes we do know why and we do it anyway. But there's an ongoing, sometimes besetting sin that we keep going back to. My question is, are you in the active process of killing it? Are you in the active process of killing the sin which so easily besets you? If not, then it's more than likely killing you. Killing you in your conscience. Snatching away your rest. Killing you in your relationships because you're holding on to your sin that's more important than building a relationships with people. It's killing you in your marriage because you're too stubborn to repent to your husband or wife. You're hanging on to that secret sin that maybe you think nobody knows about. Maybe that secret affair. Maybe that secret relationship that you hope nobody finds about. Maybe it's killing, you're holding on to something in your body that you're unwilling to repent on. Maybe it's just your story in general that you are in, involved in some sin that you find and hide in the darkness about. Today's text, it was sin that so enraged Esau toward Jacob that he planned to kill him. Which really kind of harkens back to Genesis chapter 4, Cain and Abel, right? That's really the first sin that we see where killing someone was an outplaying of a sin. That Cain became so angry with Abel that he killed his brother. Look what it says in verse 41 in our text today. Now Esau hated Jacob because of the blessing with which his father had blessed him. And Esau said to himself, the days of mourning for my father are approaching, then I will kill my brother Jacob. And I think we've talked about that enough uh, about why he might do it. But honestly, I would probably be angry too if I were Esau. I mean, put, your, put yourself in Esau's uh, shoes for just, uh, or in his sandals uh, for just a moment and think about what might have been going on during that time. I mean, Jacob deceived him, right? He, he, he deceived him. He, he lied to him. Remember Esau came in and he was hungry and he, he just said he took advantage of him at the time. He stole what was rightly his. Jacob took advantage of him at some point of weakness in his life. And so you can understand why Jacob, why Esau hated Jacob. And so church, it's imperative that we guard ourselves against hatred. 
We don't, we don't talk about it a lot. I mean, there are times that I hear people in the church and say, well, I hate this person or I hate that. And, but it's just imperative that you and I guard these hearts, guard our internal per- person against hatred. I mean, we've seen the outrage that can come even, even this week in our country. Just the outrage of, toward people that rises up in our country over things like politics. Politics and media and honestly the lies that people tell about one another have caused anger and rage and unfortunately even death this week over politics. It's not just politics that caused this. Personal interactions can lead to these same kinds of things prolonged hatred that we can have for someone or, or one another can lead to a desire for revenge or some type of action against some perceived threat that we have that somebody's giving towards us. Some people harbor hatred and never act on it. Others become so energized by hate that they have to express their feelings through violence. Listen, church, there's no doubt that at some point you will be taken advantage of. Somebody will take advantage of you at some point. Some point you will be deceived over something. You'll have uh, emotions that you'll have to process. You'll be overcome with emotions from time to time. You'll have a choice to make when that happens to you. Each of you will have a choice to make when that happens. Proverbs chapter four, verse 23 says this, above all else, guard your heart, for from it flows the springs of life. From your heart, whatever is happening in your heart, and the Bible talks about your heart, it's your being, the all of what is inside of you. Guard your heart, for from it flows the springs of life. That's the ESV. The New Living Translation says this, above all else, guard your heart, for it determines the course of your life. And then the NIV actually says it this way, above all else, guard your heart, for everything you do flows from it. Everything you do flows from what's happening to you internally. Hey, listen, That anger and that rage that you allow to feed with inside you will lead to nothing but terrible, a terrible end for someone or even for you. So guard your heart, church. Guard your heart, guard it fervently. Protect it. Let's go back to our text. So, Mama Bear in the text steps in and and tries to bring some peace to the situation. You know, it's always interesting to me uh, whenever you see two dudes that are going to fight. If you've seen these, you know, YouTube videos or you pop it on Facebook and, and there's two dudes that are going to fight and, you know, they could be in a parking lot or they could be in a bar or they could be in just their house or just wherever it is. But anytime you see these videos that there's two dudes that are going to fight, inevitably, who always jumps in? 
you know, mama or the girlfriend or, you know, there's two big dudes like this and there's this little bitty short girl, Angie, uh, that, just kidding. <laughs> sorry, I just looked right at her. Just, sorry, I don't have much of a filter here, right? Uh, you know, this little bitty girl that jumps in and she's just trying to like stop the whole, you know, stop the fight or whatever in the middle of it. And that's what I think of whenever I think about the fight that's about to happen. They're, they're, these dudes are mad at each other. I mean, they're angry, and, but mama bears can step in and she's gonna try to fix the entire situation. She was determined to separate these two before it really turned bad for their entire family. And so she tells Jacob, uh, the younger boys, like, look, uh, Jacob, you might wanna go on down to Haran uh, uh, and see your old Uncle Laban because and just hang out at his crib a bit while Esau cools his jets. That's, that's basically what Scripture says. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? You need, just need to go and hang out for a little while because things are really, really bad here, and I don't want anything bad to happen, and we'll just let him cool off, and then maybe we can come back together and we'll have a family reunion. And, so, and then after that, Rebecca just expresses this huge displeasure over her life. Look in verse 46 in your scriptures. It says, uh, she goes on about how much she hates her life, especially because of those Hittite women. And then if Jacob marries one of those women, uh, what good will her life even be? In other words, would you just kill me? And I thought about this. Would you just, I mean, she's trying to be control of the situation, right? I mean, Mama Bear's just trying to go, I- I'm going I'm to make it sound so bad for me that I'm going to try to control what it is that you choose to do. All right? That's a whole other sermon Uh, But here's what I want to say about this. Listen, your words matter. All of your words matter. What you say matters. These words mattered. Our text will see it it play out. But all your words matter. Be, Be an encourager with your words. Don't be a manipulator. Okay? Parents, specifically speaking to you. Be an encourager with your words. Don't be a manipulator with your words. And so then you get to chapter 28. And, and it, uh, the, it leads off with Jacob giving the same kind of warning. Uh, verse 2, it says, you must not take a wife from these Canaanite women. He's like, hey, hey don't take a wife from these Canaanite women. You just don't need to get in the middle of it. And then, and then uh, uh, Isaac begins to speak a blessing over Jacob. And he says, may God Almighty make you fruitful and multiply you, and may you become a great company of people. May the blessing of Abraham be to you and to your offspring. And so Isaac's blessing recognized Jacob as the third patriarch in the family. You're like, what are you talking about? Well, a lot of times we hear these names together. Who is it? Who who do we start with? Abraham, Abraham, and then who? Isaac, and then who? Jacob, yeah. So we hear Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob over and over in the scriptures. And so this is hearkening back to this very text because this is where he's receiving the blessing of, of Isaac. So Abraham had blessed Isaac and Isaac in turn blessed, blessed Jacob. And so we turn back and these are the, the, the patriarchs of the Older Testament. And so this is where this is really gets established. And so uh, we hear these names together all the time. May the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob in the, in the text will go on about things. And, and so now it was official. Basically, all of Esau's hopes just went out the window. And it seemed like Esau was willing to really try to do anything to try to get back in the good graces of his father. He, he decided to marry a daughter of Ishmael, who, who was Isaac's half-brother. And he said, you know, he was, he was trying. He was like, I'll do anything to get back in the good graces, trying to get back in the good graces with dad. But to no avail, the blessing had been passed on to Jacob. And then the story just ends right there and switches to a completely different direction. 
The Bible goes on and starts and says, hey, let me tell you about Jacob's night's sleep. Jacob takes a night's sleep and he goes and lays down in this uh, specific place and he takes a rock and he lays his head on the rock and then he goes to sleep and he has this dream. He's like, that night I had a dream and uh, he dreamed about a ladder. Well, look at that. He dreamed about a ladder and he dreamed about angels on that ladder. So imagine if you're laying down, I'm not going to lay down, uh, but imagine if I were laying down and I had my head on a rock and I was dreaming and this was my dream sequence over here and, and my dream sequence had a ladder and angels going up and down the ladder the entire time and then at, and, and at the top of the ladder that God was at the top of the ladder. And as, as the focus came in, it suddenly it was like, hey, there's God. And, and so I, I need to ask a, a couple of questions. Many times in Christianity, this becomes the kind of the symbol that people think about whenever you think about what it means to follow Jesus. So I know there's a lot of new people here. We, we preach the gospel regularly here at Refuge, and we talk about what it means to follow Jesus, and we talk about the fact that we don't kind of earn our way to get to God. But I know some of you are new here, and some of you may feel like the way that I get favor with God is I climb the ladder. I just got to do a little bit more. If I would do a little bit more, then God would like me more. If I would just work a little bit harder, then God would like me more. If I tried a little bit more, what am I getting closer to? Yeah, I'm getting, clo I'm getting closer to God, right? I'm doing enough that I'm getting closer. I'm doing enough that God's liking me more because, right, I mean, there's people behind me probably that aren't as high on the ladder as I am now because I'm doing more. Ever feel that way? I know you do. I know you do. And unfortunately, that's been preached that way lots of times. I need you to do more and try harder, and God will like you more. And maybe you haven't even heard it preached that way. That's just what you think about God. That's just what you think about, that God wants me to do more, and if I'll just do more good, he'll like me better. If I'll get closer to him, he'll like me better. That has nothing to do with this story. It has nothing to do with this story. That has nothing to do with Christianity. It is the antithesis of Christianity. It is, the, it is diametrically opposed to Christianity. Christianity is not about you doing better and you trying harder and you climbing the ladder and you getting closer to God. That is not what Christianity is about. I have good news for you if you think that's what Christianity is. That's not it. Christianity is all about God coming to us, about God condescending to us. We're, we're, we're going to get into that. But here's, here's, what this, here's what this means in the text. The real reality of Jacob's dream was, is that God was watching over Jacob's uh, life. God was presiding over everything that was happening in Jacob's life. God was directing everything. And what the scripture tells us is that as these angels were going up and down, that we read in our text, as these angels were going up and down, you know what they were doing? They were, God was putting them to work on Jacob's behalf. He was putting those angels to work on his behalf. So no matter where Jacob went, 
The angels were at work moving between God and the earth to help Jacob. This, that is not what we might understand about this ladder, about what it means to be in a relationship with God. It is not about me having to get up in the middle of the night and climb the ladder and go, God, I gotta get close to you so you can hear me. And I know if I, if I stay awake during my prayer tonight, am I the only one? If I stay awake during my prayer tonight and hopefully finish it, then at least you'll hear it and maybe I'll get a little closer to you because I prayed tonight. But I fell asleep, so that probably means I'm back down here and I didn't finish my prayer. That's the way we feel. But that's not what Christianity, this is about God being at work on our, <clears throat> on our behalf. See, someone needs to hear that that very thing is that God is directing our lives. God is directing everything in your life. God is at work in your life. God is not absent. God is not waiting on you to climb the ladder to get to him. No matter the calamity that's happening in your life, no matter the loneliness that may be you experiencing in your life, no matter the absence of activity that you think may be happening in your life, God is directing and overseeing everything in your life. You are not alone. See, I need you to take comfort in this church is that God will never leave us or forsake us. He's always at work on our behalf. This is promised all throughout the Old Testament and the New Testament. In First Chronicles of the Old Testament, this is what the scripture says. Be strong, courageous, do the work. Do not be afraid or discouraged for the Lord my God, my God is with you. He will not fail you or forsake you uh, until the, all the work for the service of the temple of the Lord is finished. He's talking about some things that were happening in the Older Testament. He's like, God's not gonna abandon you. He's not out to leave you. He doesn't leave you to do the work on your own. 1 Corinthians in the New Testament, chapter 10, verse 13. By no temptation is overtaken you except what is common to mankind, and God is faithful. He will not let you be tempted but beyond what you can bear. But when you are tempted, he will, also, he will also provide a way out so that you can endure it. He's like, God doesn't leave you in the middle of temptation. He provides a way. He provides a way out. Back in Deuteronomy in the Old Testament. Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid or terrified because of them. For the Lord your God goes with you. He will never leave you or forsake you. In Matthew, in the New Testament, teaching them to obey all things I have commanded you. And surely what? I am with you. With you. How long? Always to the very end of the age. God doesn't leave us or forsake us. Philippians chapter four, verses four, uh, verse six and seven. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. The peace of God which transcends all understanding will guard your heart and your mind in Christ Jesus. When you're anxious, is God away from you? No, he just says, pray. He said, I'll give you my peace. I'm not away from you. I'm not asking you to climb to me. I'm with you. <clears throat> then, then he goes back to our text. Uh, this is what God speaks to Jacob in the text, and he says this. Uh, Behold, the Lord stood above it and said, I am the Lord, the God of Abraham, your father, and the God of Isaac. The land on which you lie, I will give you, and your offspring. Verse 14, your offspring shall be like the dust of the earth, and you shall spread abroad to the west and to the east and to the north and to the south, and you and all your offspring and all the families of the earth shall be blessed. So that, this is God speaking to Jacob in the middle of this, this, the, this dream that he saw. And so what's the purpose of this? The purpose of this is to encourage Jacob. The promises that were made to Abraham uh, that Jacob would, that would have been very, very familiar with, 
the promises that God had made way back a long time ago to Abraham, the, the, the father of the nations, he was now making to Jacob. And again, God would be known not only as the father of Abraham, not only the father of Isaac, but the father of Abraham and Isaac and Jacob. Look, then look at verse 15. This is what the text says. Behold, I am with you, and I will keep you wherever you go, and will bring you back to the land, for I will not leave you until I have done what I have promised you. So really, verse 15 explains the purpose for really this entire piece of this text. The very presence of God who directs commerce between heaven and earth. That's what was happening again. That's what Jacob was seeing. Angels at work on his behalf, God overseeing it all, the very God who directs the commerce between heaven and earth for his own people would never leave Jacob. But he said, I'm never going to leave you. I'm never going to leave you to do this by yourself. Jacob, Jacob could never go beyond God's providential care. He was always with him. This vision of these angels at work would always be with him. Angels going up and down, working on his behalf. God always at the pinnacle, overseeing what was happening, the angels at work and in Jacob's life. How often? Always. 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 The ladder's always there. But it's always the angels on the ladder. Not you and me. It's the angels of God on the ladder at work for you and me. Always God at the top of the ladder overseeing the angels at work on your behalf. You know what this is, church? This is grace. This is the kindness of the Lord. This literally is the kindness of the Lord on your behalf. That, that's what grace is, is him operating on your behalf, something you didn't deserve, something I didn't deserve, and God doing it anyway on our behalf. Think about this. Jacob is the conniving believer who is outcast and alone due to his own sin and deception, who did nothing to merit God's kindness and protection and care. Would you agree with that? He did nothing to merit it. He, he, he didn't do good stuff. He, he was not a good dude. He, he didn't make the right decisions. He made a lot of the wrong decisions and was a deceiver in the process. He was met by God in his own loneliness with an unparalleled vision of care and love and assurance for the future. That's how much God loved him. Hey, let me ask you, are you lonely? Do you feel all alone? Do you feel like God has left you? Do you feel like God doesn't see you? Do you feel like I really need God, but I'm just not sure he's there? Listen, Jacob wasn't seeking God. He wasn't looking for him 
in the middle of all this. He was just trying to get away from being killed. He was, he was kind of trying to save his own rear end. He just laid down in the middle of the field and God revealed this to him. He was fleeing the consequence of his own deception at the time. And Jacob was not expecting to see and meet grace. But God unleashed grace on his weary soul. God poured out grace on his tired self. God showed him grace in the middle of the night. And God, without a word of rebuke, without a word of reproach, brought this vision to him that brought him only assurances is that God would always be there and he would always be his God. There's a hymn that says this, through many dangers, toils, and snares, I have already come. Tis grace has brought me safe thus far, and grace will lead me home. Amen. See, it's this kind of unmerited grace, this kind of unearned grace, this kind of unearned favor that God still offers to you. The same kindness that he offered Jacob in the middle of a field somewhere is the same kind of grace that he offers to each of you sitting here today, each of you watching online somewhere today. God still offers those to fleeing him, those who are deceiving others, those who are sinning regularly. So it's people like you and me. He offers that same kind of grace. Grace is truly amazing. It was Jacob's only hope at the time, and it's our only hope today. Our excuses, our deceitful plans, our seeking our own way in this life and the shadows only pave the way for grace to really break through. Too many times the focus of our thoughts and beliefs are on how do we climb the ladder? How do we get to God? How do we do enough good? How do we measure up? How do we get our act together enough so that God will like me? The focus of the ladder is not you. The focus of the ladder is God. The focus of the ladder is God. And to bring it into a much clearer focus, the focus of the ladder is Jesus. The glory of the gospel says that the Son of Man, God the Son, Jesus, mediates He's the one who now mediates commerce between heaven and you. Paul says there's one God and there's one mediator between God and man, the man Christ Jesus, who gave himself as a ransom for many. See, Jesus is everywhere hearing our prayers, mediating the commerce. Now he is mediating the commerce between God and man. Think about this. Jesus has kind of been on the both sides. He's been kind of at the bottom and he's been at the top. Scripture says that he is the incarnate son of man. Jesus came in the flesh to live like you and me. He's the ascended son of man, sitting at the right hand of the Father, ever interceding on our behalf. At the end of our text, 
Scripture says that Jacob sets up stones of remembrance to remember God's presence in his dream. And, and, and that's a cool thing to you know, know that, and we see that all through the Old Testament where uh, people would set up stones of remembrance and they'd build these little things and go, okay, God met me here and, and God was here and I, I want to some, set something out here so, so that I remember that that's where God met me and that's where God was and it happened at that particular place at that specific time. But now, God no longer just isolates his presence to places where he meets people just here and there. See, there's no longer even a need for the temple anymore that we read about in the Old Testament because God does not dwell in structures made with hands. Today, because of the resurrection of Jesus, there's nowhere that we can go that God is not already there. There's nowhere that we can go where he is not already mediating the commerce between God and man. His, pre- his promises are true. Everywhere we go literally is the house of the Lord because he lives within us. His spirit lives within us if we are followers of Jesus. And so that's some of you here that the spirit of God actually does live within you. The spirit of God uh, communes with your spirit and you know that happens. You know that you are alive because of the resurrected Jesus. The spirit of God lives within you. But some of you don't have the spirit that lives within you. It is inevitable that coming to a place like today with a number of people who are here today that some of you don't have the spirit of God that lives within you. You don't commune with God on a regular basis. You probably still feel like you've got to earn God's uh, a right to, you've got to earn his goodness and you've got to earn for God to like you because the spirit of God doesn't live within you. And it would be our hope today that you would trust Jesus so that the spirit can live within you. Why would God love us this way? Why would God come and reside and work on our behalf and not make us climb up to him, but come to us? Because he's a God of grace. He's a God of mercy. He's a God of love. And he loves you. Are you running and hiding from this good and gracious king? Are you trying to climb the ladder yourself? See, today Jesus is calling you into his rest. He said, get off the ladder. Come down from the ladder. The work of redemption is finished. Stop climbing. Turn to Jesus. Trust in Jesus. Rest in Jesus today. Jeff Vander, with this I'll be closed. Jeff Vanderstelt, who uh, a pastor friend of ours, uh, said this: the beauty of this story and the gospel story is that God doesn't wait for you to get your life together. Listen, God doesn't wait for you to get your life together. God gets your life together by calling you and saving you and changing you and transforming you from the inside out. If you've been waiting to get it together to come to God, don't wait any longer. 
He's calling you today to come. He'll make you right. Let me pray for you.